Amen. Good, huh? You feel new? (laughs) Feel refreshed? Open your Bibles. We're going to start in Matthew 28. Start in Matthew 28. I want to just read one of the accounts of the resurrection. We're really not going to focus there. We're going to we're going to go to another scripture and really focus there. But I wanted us to definitely read the account. This is not a story. This is I. This is an eyewitness account of the resurrection. It's always good to know the Bible is not just stories. The Bible is an eyewitness account of what God has done. It says over 500 people were eyewitnesses that Jesus came back from the dead. It says he appeared to over 500 people. You know, 500 people saw something. You know, when... when, uh, I hate to use this illustration. It's the only one that popped into my mind earlier today. But uh, when JFK was assassinated... There was all kinds of witnesses. You would not have been able to convince any of those witnesses that he was not shot in the head that day. Because they saw it with their own eyes. There's no reality. There's no, there's no argument. There's no, there's no reasoning. There's no you know, scientific re- whatever. There's nothing that could convince an eyewitness that they didn't see what they saw. And that's exactly what happened with the disciples after Jesus was raised from the dead. If they could have disproved it, they would have. If they could have produced the body, they would have. But these guys would not shut up. Because they were eyewitnesses that Jesus was alive. There's no reason for the disciples to lay down their lives for something that they made up, right? There's no reason for them... I mean, look at, look at the disciples. They ran away when Jesus was crucified. And then after he's been dead three days, they make up a story and say, he's risen from the dead. And then they face all this persecution and most of them are killed themselves. Not very likely. Do people do crazy things? Sure. But these guys weren't crazy. They look like normal people the rest of their lives. And so, just remember that you know, anybody who doesn't believe in the resurrection, you're believing in you're disbelieving a historical eyewitness fact that Jesus came back from the dead. Matthew twenty eight says this after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Don't you love that, that the angel just wanted to sit down on the rock? I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. You know, he rolls it away. I'm just going to chill here. I'm going to sit down on this on this rock and chill for just a minute. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. That's why they fainted. They passed out from fear. The angel said to the women, do not, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, 
yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And there's, of course, other accounts of how Jesus shows up to all the different disciples, some on the road. He walks through the walls and comes to the other disciples who are hiding in the room, afraid that they're going to get arrested and killed too. And so all those different accounts. Uh, Jesus even appears to Paul years later in a vision, you know, as what the last apostle Paul says, I, I, I'm an eyewitness of the resurrection as well because he saw Jesus alive. And so today I want to just focus on one aspect of this victory. Because this is a victory. Everybody likes to win, right? Who likes to win? Nobody says, I want to be on the losing team, right? You don't say, I want to be a loser. I want to, I want to, be, I want to lose all the time. There's, maybe there's a few people out there, I, and I hope I get to play them in some sport. So that, you know, since they want to lose, I get a free win. Okay? Everybody likes to win. And here's the deal. God's a winner. God won. He beat death, hell, and the grave, sin, and Satan on Friday. And then he rested on Saturday. And Sunday he came back to life and finished the job. And so this victory is huge. And here's the deal. Jesus was in a life or death situation. Has anybody, I mean, and I'm not going to ask you to tell the story, raise your hand. But have you ever been in a life or death situation? Life or death situation, things change. Everything everything. Things that used to be important to you are no longer important to you. Because in a life or death situation, all that matters is survival. You know, if you've never been in that situation, I, I'm thankful. And I'm, I don't know that I ever have. Kind of been in one, maybe. But, you know, if you've been in that situation, there's things you do that you wouldn't normally do in a, in a regular day. I was just watching a, a movie the other day. It's an old movie. Uh, it's called Castaway. Did you know that movie's 20 years old, by the way? Okay. <laughs> wow. Some of you are getting old. <laughs> You're 20 years older than when you thought you were when you saw that movie. So, I uh, hadn't seen the movie in a while. Popped it on Netflix. Uh, pretty, pretty clean movie. Pretty decent movie, actually. Uh, Tom Hanks is a good, great actor. Um, I pray he gets saved. If he's not already saved, I have no clue. I assume he's not, but I don't want to make assumptions. And so... You know, the idea of Castaway is there's a horrific plane crash. And he hangs on for dear life. He's blasted out of the explosion. You know, whether that really could happen or not. Just suspend reality. It's a movie, right? Okay? So he hang, he's on the, on the life raft that he inflates it underneath the water. And he's fighting for his life because he's in a life or death situation. And so he floats, of course... Somehow survives on the life raft and he floats on the life raft for days and days being tossed and turned by the waves. All he can do in a life or death situation is hang on at that moment. All he's doing is hanging on to the ropes. And you know, this is a famous movie, of course, because there's no dialogue for like 30 straight minutes. You know, nobody says a word. It's just seeing him struggle for his life. And he lands on an island, of course, and he begins to do things that he wouldn't normally do. He has to, you know... There's a dead body that washes up on the shore. And normally, when you see a dead body, do you touch it? No? no. Any weirdos in here say, yeah, I like doing that. <laughs> okay? When, you know, you normally, if you were at the beach and a dead body washed up on the shore, you're like, I ain't coming back to this beach. Okay? <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with this thing. But what does he do? He pulls the dead guy out and takes his shoes off of him and wears them. Doesn't that give you a little bit of the, ooh, <laughs> right? 
You know? But in a life or death situation, you do things that are out of the ordinary, right? There's, everything changes in a life or death situation. Here's the deal. Jesus was in a life or death situation. At the Garden of Gethsemane, there was a first garden years ago. Adam and Eve were in the garden. And the devil came to the garden. And he deceived the woman and the man. Or at least the woman was deceived and the man just followed along. And, you know, the devil defeated human beings in the first garden. But Jesus came to another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you don't think there was a battle going on with Satan right there, let me tell you, there was a battle going on. There was a battle from the time Jesus, even before he was conceived, there was a spiritual battle going on all the time. Because, let me tell you this, the devil did not put Jesus on the cross. That was for the effect, okay? (laughs) I should have chose a different, different tone. So the, de- <laughs> the devil didn't put Jesus on the cross. You know, that it wasn't, the devil was trying to stop Jesus from getting to the cross. Jesus didn't have to trick the devil to get on, get on the cross. No, he, he knew what was going on and the devil couldn't stop him anyway. But there was a spiritual battle going on. I think of the book of Revelation. It says there was a war in heaven before Jesus was conceived. Max Lucado wrote a book about it, kind of fictionalized a little bit, but it's based upon Revelation chapter 12, where it says there was war in heaven, and the dragon tries to get the seed before the seed comes to the woman. Who's the woman? It's Mary, the virgin birth. And so there's, there's a war going on from the moment God institutes His plan of salvation. There's a war going on, and there's pushback. What happens when Jesus is born? Herod. Influenced by demonic forces, by the devil himself possibly, kills, slaughters children, two years old and under, to try to kill Jesus. Because he knew what was coming. Jesus said, what God said what he was going to do in the Old Testament. The devil had read Isaiah 53. He knew what was coming. And maybe he didn't know how it was going to happen, but he knew. Whenever the devil shows up, what's he trying to do with Jesus? Trying to get him away from the cross. Think of the temptation of Jesus. We're way off the notes here, so if you're taking notes, you can move on the side. Okay? He was he was trying to get Jesus to take a shortcut. Hey, just bow down and worship me. I'll give you the whole you know the whole earth. You'll you'll be king of the earth. And he was coming to establish his kingdom. But that wasn't the way he was going to establish it. You know, what happens when Peter you know, says some great things and says, Jesus, you're the Christ. And then a few minutes later, Peter, or Jesus has to call Peter Satan, right? Because what, is, what happens? Jesus starts telling him, I'm going to go to the cross. I mean, you know that was Jesus' message for like the last six months? Like he'd throw that on, tag that on the end of every sermon. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be arrested and the chief priests and the elders and the rulers of the people, I'm going to be killed. And then on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Like that was the message. And there was only two women who showed up at the tomb. Only two people were paying attention to Jesus. There was nobody else that was... He said this over and over again. And one of the times he said it, what does Peter do? In Matthew chapter 16, he takes Jesus aside and says, No, Lord, we're not going to do that. That's never going to happen. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because Satan did not want Jesus on the cross. 
Even the, you know, the crowd at some point, you know, there was a, oh, in, the, in the garden, don't you think there was a battle too where Jesus sweat blood? Don't you think the presence of demonic forces were there when the Son of God was in the second garden? But in the second garden, there was victory. The victory of the cross started in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus says, I'm going to do what I was sent to do. Not my will, but yours be done, Father. I'm going to do this. But here's the deal. Jesus was in a life or death situation, but it's totally different with God. God wasn't trying to survive. He was trying to die. You know, Tom Hanks and Castaway, he did some crazy stuff to stay alive. He even talked to a volleyball. You do crazy stuff in a life or death situation. And you know what? God did a crazy thing in a life or death situation because he knew that the situation was urgent, that he had to bring life to a world enslaved by death. And so Jesus, in his life or death situation, chose death so that he could bring life. Hebrews chapter 2. Why don't you turn there? Hebrews chapter 2. It's going to be a little bit different Easter message this morning. I'm going to focus on a certain aspect of Jesus' victory. And I've only been in, let's see, 37 Easter services, and I don't think I've ever heard either of these two scriptures. 30, this is the 38th year of Easter for me, I believe, uh, if I've done the math right. Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15, says this, and this is talking about Jesus becoming a human. So that's the context here. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in the humanity. In other words, he, Jesus was just like us. He was, he was 100% human. So that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. When life meets death, life wins every time. When life meets death, life wins every time. There was a collision course that happened when Jesus came to earth. When life met death. And who had the power of death, it says? The devil. Why did the devil have the power of death? I, you're like, I'm not t- saying anything. <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong answer. Who wants to say the wrong answer in church? Okay, raise your hand. <laughs> Best to be silent, right? <laughs> so, what? I, it's probably simple. I mean, I, I've even tried to think of more complicated answers, but basically it was given to him. Who had authority over the earth? Adam. Who did he give his authority to? The devil. Who's the author of sin? The devil. And so who's in charge of death then? It used to be the devil. <laughs> it was the devil. <laughs> but this scripture said it's not anymore. 
But here's the deal. So life was meaning death. You know, I think of, and I, as I begin to think about this, that Jesus, of course, had to die. He had to, he had to enter death in order to bring life. So it's totally flipped around. That Jesus' life or death situation, to survive, he had to die. In other words, to bring survival to everybody else, to bring life to everybody else, he had to choose death rather than survival. Jesus himself is life. If you think about many statements that, that Jesus made, uh, he made seven statements in the book of John where he says, I am this. And it was a reference to, of course, where Moses meets God and, God, and God, and Moses says, God, who should I say is sending me to free your people? We all probably know the story of Moses. We might have seen a movie. You know, Moses goes back and frees the people of God who were enslaved in Egypt, goes to Pharaoh. Who should I say is sending me? And God says, tell them I am has sent me. In other words, if you, if you need anything, the answer is me. Who's going to help me out of this situation? God says, I am. Who's going to forgive me? I am. Who's going to set me free from this bondage in my life? I am. Who's going to love me when no one else will love me? I am. Who's going to be with me no matter what, even to the end of the world? I am. Who's going to give me everything I need? I am. Who is the source of all goodness in life? I am. And Jesus showed, hey, look, I'm God. That's what he was saying when he said all these I am statements. But it's interesting how many of them have the word life in them. And so I want us to read a couple of them. They should be up on the screen here. John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. John 8 and 12 says this, it's not in the name I am, but it's in the description. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me, they will never die. Do you believe this? John 14, 6, Jesus says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. In John 1 and verse 4, it says this, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. When the apostles were declaring Jesus, what did they declare about Jesus? First of all, I want to point out that they didn't just preach the death of Jesus. They did not just preach the cross. They preached the cross and the resurrection. Because the cross without the resurrection is not complete. One without the other doesn't bring complete freedom and deliverance in our lives. But them together, there is salvation, healing, and deliverance for our lives in them together. The power to live a new life in the resurrection power of Jesus. But what, is, what does Peter and them say when they're preaching to the crowds? They say in Acts 3.15, Hey, you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. You killed the one who made up life, the one who is life, who invented it, who brought it forth. It's in his nature. It's who he is. It's life, life. So when Jesus shows up on the earth, what happens? There's life all around him. 
Everything that happens is alive. There's life. There's healing. There's freedom. There's joy. There's peace. There's life. When dead people are around Jesus, they come to life. Why? Because He's alive. That's who He is. He's alive. That is in His nature. But the one who is alive said, I'm going to die. It's crazy. How could that even happen? But he had to become a human to, in order to die. He says, I'm going to take on the nature of one who can die so that I can die in their place so that I can free them from the power of death. Jesus had to come as a human. God can't break his own rules. God can't break the, the order of the universe. I mean, don't you think sometimes... This is what I think, okay? I might have a problem in my head, okay? Who thinks I do? Come on, raise your hand, Jake. No. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about this. If I was God and I was going to save the world, I'd just do it however I want it. Why not just go in and, like, do this to the devil? Pop, 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 You know, just, just take him down and just do everything. Say, it's all new. I'm just going to start over. Bam. Why not? Why can't he do that? Because God established order. Because God can't change his mind on his nature and say, look, he established the earth and he said, hey, Adam, you're in charge. And God can't go back on his word and say, I'm just going to take that back. No, only a human being had the right to take it back. And so Jesus had to become a human being. He, he was 100% God and 100% man. So he had to become a human in order that he might die as a sinless sacrifice. In other words, he died so that others could live. He died even though he didn't deserve death. But because he was innocent, when he went to hell, he could raid the place. Because he didn't belong there. It couldn't keep him down. You know, I love, you know, this week I've been rolling through like all the old uh, Easter songs. Do you, do you do that around Easter? Some of you that grew up listening to Christian music, like me, you know, in the 80s, you had all those Carmen songs, you know, Carmen the Champion, come on now, you know, at the end, you know, God starts counting backwards, and I love it, and the devil's like, stop, God, you're counting wrong, God, you're counting wrong, in nine, eight, seven, six, and it gets down to, yes, he has one! I mean, even though it sounds 80s, it's still awesome. I mean, there's the other one that Karma does. Well, the stone was pushed away and it bounced a time or two and an angel stepped inside and said, Hey, I'm Gabriel. Who are you? If you're wondering where the Lord is at this very hour, I tell you, He's alive and well with resurrection power. 1983, baby. Okay. You remember that year, Dora? <laughs> There was some good music before some of you were born, okay? So here's the... <laughs> Sorry. I... Where, am I? Where are we? <laughs> In the 80s. <laughs> okay. You know, you got, you got all, these, all these amazing accounts, but man, it's, it's, a, it's, it's all Jesus and He's all victorious. You know, hear the bells ringing, that's the 70s, okay? Hear the bells ringing, they're singing that you can be born again. You know, just when you, when you realize that Jesus is alive, it makes you want to sing. It makes you want to be joyful. It makes you, because you've got life. You've got life. You've got life. 
But that's what was happening. The epic battle between death and life. And life beat death by death. <gasps> Isn't that crazy? Life beat death by death. Only God could come up with this. Only God had the wisdom to know that, hey, the way through this was to die. The way I'm going to get them back is that, that's why it didn't make sense to the disciples. They'd heard the sermon for six straight months, but it didn't make sense. Jesus like, I'm going to die. Let me tell you, I'm going to die. I'm going to be dead three days and come back to life. He said it over and over. Disciples, they heard it several times. It's recorded in the scriptures many, many times. And it says he said this. He began to say this all the time, basically, is what the scripture says. In other words, he was mentioning this regularly. But yet still, were the disciples waiting for Jesus to be risen from the dead on Sunday? Like, one, two, three. Maybe they couldn't add. Maybe they had trouble with, you know, the Jewish calendar and how that works in with Friday and Sunday and all that stuff. You know, whatever it was, they, they weren't expecting him. They were hiding in the house, trying not to get killed themselves. So they didn't believe, because it doesn't make sense. Why would, why would somebody die so that they could live? And why would somebody die when they're innocent? Why would somebody die when they don't deserve to die? Why would somebody die for somebody else who doesn't even care about them? But that's what God did. Because He's not only life, He's love. He's so full of love. There was an epic battle between life and death. And it says that by His death, he destroyed him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And he freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to die. I mean, there's times where people get deceived and confused and, and want to maybe possibly take their own life. I've been tempted with that one time. That was my life or death situation, I would say. And of course, whenever it's all a matter of perspective. Looking back on it, it was like, boy, that was really... There's no reason to even think those thoughts. John, that was really not that bad of a situation. You, you're kind of a, a little bit of a pansy there. Um, you know, you could get over that. But, you know, thoughts come in your head. Why not just... Why not just driving down the free, two, 210 freeway... Los Angeles, California. And I heard the voice in my head say, just drive into the side. And for a second, it was an option. For a split second, it was an option. Then I cussed out the devil. <laughs> the only time I've ever really said a bad, that one really bad word, you know. <clears throat> the really bad one. I've only said it to the devil. <laughs> Three times for the biblical emphasis. Okay. <laughs> oh, you know, my wife's not here today, so I, I apologize if uh, I'm not in order. But that was a life or death situation for me. I believe it was. It was a split second moment where I had a choice to make. And I'm not saying you should cuss at the devil. But if it gets you to stop from doing what he wants you to do, then go feel free. Resist him however you need to resist him. Yeah, but here's the deal. 
Sometimes death has a power over us when we don't personally face death. You know, and I believe that part of what the scripture is saying is that for those who are in Christ, in other words, those who are followers of Jesus, that the power of death is broken over us. Every bit of death is broken over us. In other words, I don't ever need to have fear about dying. Some of us still struggle with thoughts of fear of death. And I'm right here going to tell you this morning that those are from the pit of hell. Those are lies. Those are things that you don't need to believe. Those are things you don't need to live with. If you have somebody telling you, if you have a voice or a thought that comes in your head over and over that says you're going to die in an accident, that someday you're going to have a horrific accident and you're going to die, that's not the voice of God. That's the voice of the one who used to have the power of death trying to exert influence by lying. That's the only thing he has left now is lying. He has no power anymore because the devil was defeated on the cross and on the Sunday morning with the empty tomb. Everything that he had, everything that he had control of, everything that he had authority over was taken from him through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Revelation, I want to read this, Revelation chapter 1. This is a great Resurrection Sunday scripture. It's, it's such an awesome account. Uh, is it chapter 1? Let's see. Yes, chapter 1 and verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are, that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. In other words, he was banished there as a prison sentence. And I want to read this whole account just so you kind of get the, the picture of what's going on here. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing like fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace. They were so bright and shiny, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand, which is significant because where, what was in his hands? The seven stars. So the greatness of God reached down and touched man. So there's the greatness of God and the intimacy with God. Do not be afraid. I am. I am. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Where did Jesus get those keys? From the devil. This is a scripture that links up what happened 
helps link up what happened after Jesus died. That Jesus, it looks like, he went wherever the devil was. In Hades, in hell, whatever you want to call it. And he took the keys. He could only take them because he was a human. And he could only take them because he had rightfully gained back authority through his innocent death on the cross. That he didn't no longer, he didn't belong in hell. There was no legal right for him to stay in hell. Because everyone who sins, the soul that sins, shall die. And die forever in hell. That's the way it is. We can try to re-theologize it today and make it more fun for us in America. It doesn't change the truth. That's the way it is. That's, that's the order of the universe. Hey, and the devil, who has been sinning, it says, from the beginning, is the number one person that God says, hey, you're going to hell. This is where you're going to belong. It actually says hell was created for the devil and his angels. In other words, it wasn't created for humans. The intent was never that anybody would follow the devil there. Unfortunately, they did. But Jesus, as a human being, could rightfully be there, but he could also rightfully leave. Yes, he was the son of God, but he was also the son of man. 100% God, 100% man. And there wasn't one thing... The enemy could do on that day because Jesus says, I'm taking these out. And they're mine now. And so the authority over those things are now in God's hands. And it says at the end of the book of Revelation, this is the great thing. At the end, what happens to death? Death is thrown into the lake of fire and is no more. Because, man, we don't like death, do we? Nobody likes death. When death visits you and your family, when someone love, you know, a loved one near you passes from this life, when a close friend passes from this life, it doesn't feel good. But here is the deal for me as a follower of Jesus. The power of death is broken in my life. So that means that if all the effects of death, not just my death, anybody else's death, it has no hold on me. In other words, that my life... See, death can have power over us if we allow it to change our lives because of what happened. When my mom died four and a half years ago, I could still let the power of that death affect me today. It could change everything about my life. It could be like my life-defining moment and where I am bitter and angry or confused and, and hurt. But that power was defeated by Jesus. The power of death and death's influence in my life was defeated when Jesus conquered the grave. When Jesus beat death with death. And so here's the point for today. If you struggle with the fear of death or you struggle with the power of death affecting you in some way, whether that's somebody else close to you that's died, that, has, that, that seems to still hold something over you. There's like a shroud over your life. There's just like a, there's like a, you know, or there's just something in your life that feels like death that has a hold on you. Today, we want to believe that those things are going to be broken off your life. 
You know, we don't want to just come here and hear a nice sermon about the resurrection and go, yay, God, and then go home, do we? Well, let's actually see the resurrection power of Jesus at work, right? Anybody want to see that? I want to see some of that this morning. So here's the deal. There were several things I mentioned earlier, and I believe that God wants to deal with these. And if you're, first of all, the first step for you is if you're not a believer in Jesus, you need to, you need to trust Him as your Savior. That's the first step. Because then the power of death, the power of the enemy, the power of sin is broken in your life. And you're a new person. You're a child of God. You're clean. You're forgiven. You're free. All those things are true about you. And so now then God can affect, He can apply to your life the benefit of His victory. That's the first step. And if you've already made that step, here's the second step. There's things in our lives that we give place to and sometimes we allow them because it's, it's, it's our will that allows things to happen in, my, in our lives. That Jesus, just like He willingly went to the cross, we willingly have to receive Him. He doesn't force Himself upon us. And so we willingly invite God into places in our lives that, that need His touch of life. And so, but whenever life meets death, life wins. And so if you struggle with any of those things, the fear of death, you know, if there's just this fear of how you're going to die someday or, you know, whatever that is, you know, we, we need that broken. You as a child of God, that doesn't need to be in your life. That doesn't belong. Those, those thoughts are not, not from God. Those thoughts don't need to be tormenting you. Or if there's the power of death in any way is, is influencing your life in the negative way. Look, there's a positive grieving, okay? I'm not saying you just... Like let somebody you care for die and say, oh, no big deal, Jesus. No, no. You grieve in a healthy way because you don't see them personally. There's, a, there's a, a break in the relationship, but you don't grieve as one who has no hope. You don't grieve as one who is, my life is forever changed. We grieve as one who has hope because I know I'm going to see that person again if they know the Lord Jesus, that there's life, that they passed from death to life. They didn't pass into death, they passed, to, passed into life. It wasn't an end, it was a beginning. But if death has any influence over your life, any power over your life, whether that's someone else or just that fear, I want, to, I want us to pray for that to be broken off of our lives today. Amen? Because Jesus, it says, He destroyed the one with the power of death. And it says those who are enslaved, who are in bondage to the fear of death, that they are free. And so we can be free from that. Brothers and sisters, we can be free from that. So here's a step you have to take today. We have to be bold enough to say, I want prayer for that today. We're not here to ask questions, give us, give you, the, you know, you don't need to give us all the details, but you do need to say, I need prayer. Because I believe that there's something that happens when we take a step of faith that says, God, I need this, and God meets you and says, We're, you have it right now. According to your faith, will it be done to you? So is that, if, if there's any struggle with that, we want to pray with you today. Just lift your hand up. Lift your hand up. Is there anybody who says, I'm, I've dealt with that and I'm dealing with that? Somebody has to be the first brave one. Are you, are you raising your hand? Okay, there's one. Anybody else? Anybody else? There's two. There's three. Okay? Hey, let's, let's deal with this. I, I'm serious. There's no reason to have the fear of death or any of this stuff. There's three. Hey, can we start gathering leaders around those who have raised their hands? Um, there's one in the back and two in the middle here. Anybody else? We're, we're believing the resurrection power of Jesus is going to deal with this in your life once and for all, that it's going to be gone. 
that the power of the enemy will be broken, that this does not have to control your life or influence your life. It may not control your life, it may just be annoying. Like, we don't, want this, we don't want this thing kind of badgering us. Anybody else? Okay, go ahead. You all, you all can begin to pray for those that have raised their hands. Lord, we just thank you right now. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Thank you for applying life right now. We just thank you for life, the power of life, the power of life, the author of life, the one who is life, the one who brought life, the one who gives life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for releasing your power in their lives. You hold the power. You hold the keys. That's the authority. Lord, you have the authority. I break these influences of the enemy over these lives. They have no right. He has no right to control a child of God. He has no right to have the effect on a child of God. He is yours. These are your children. And so we come against these works of the enemy. You said you came to destroy the works of the devil. So we're here to agree with you, God. Let these works of the devil be destroyed right now. Let them be torn down. Let these thought patterns be torn down. Let the voices that are not from you be quiet. Be silenced in Jesus' name. You go and do not come back. Thank you, Lord, that you have broken the power of death. Death has lost its sing. Their grave this has no victory, God. We are rejoicing in what Jesus has done. We thank you for that, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody need healing in their body today? We want to agree with you as well. Anybody need healing in their body? Lift up your hand if you do. Wave at me. If we're all healthy, that's praise the Lord. So, you need healing? Here's one right here. Narda? Lisa? Anybody else need healing in their body? We'll get to Easter lunch in just a minute here. Don't worry. <laughs> Okay, let's go. You go. You all take care of that. You need healing too. Okay, let's see. Miss Terry, right here. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else need healing in their body? Need a touch from God today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here to have your way. You are welcome here to have your way.
All right, let's all, let's all stand. They can keep keep praying if you're still praying with with somebody. Now, if Jesus is the life, and He's in me, who has life? I do. Let's spread the life of God this week. Amen. Can we do that? Can we just can we just lay hands on ourselves and say, God, thank you, Jesus, that you're alive. Thank you that you're alive. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We give you praise. Lord, we thank you that my life will display your life, God. We thank you that my life will show who you are. I thank you that my life will have the power of the resurrection of Jesus in it. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead would be at work in our bodies and through our mouths, through our actions this week. We thank you that we are sent by you, that it's no longer just you giving life. You say, no, I have come to give you life, and then you get to share that life with somebody else. And so, Lord, help us share life. Help us share the life of God this week. We thank you, Lord, that you will demonstrate yourself as alive through me. Through me, Lord. Demonstrate that you're alive through me. Lord, what this world needs is not talk. What they need is action. Lord, what they want to see is the real deal. Lord, we thank you that you are real. And we thank you that your life is real. And we ask that that would be manifest in our lives whether that's through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we've been studying, whether that's through a, a, just a reminder, whether that's an encounter with you, God, whatever that is, Lord, we want the life of God to be manifest through us, in us, around us, by us, because of you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed. Hallelujah.